0: Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Stott. Hey, gang. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, I will tell you as uh, as I am recording this episode, uh, two really exciting things in my life are happening right now. Uh, first, first is this past weekend we had spring forward, which means we get an extra hour of sunlight in the afternoon. Um, which, if you are anything like me, like I am driven by sunlight, so just to have this sunlight. And right now I am looking out the back windows and I am seeing our uh, t- Easter lilies coming up. So. Um, yeah I'm super super stoked about that Um, and then the second thing is today was our second day with all of our kids back um, in our building all 600 and I think we're at 650 students Um, which is really really weird um, going from half size to now full size Um, and you know inevitably a lot of those kids brought some issues back into the building but um That is my number one favorite thing to do. So I love having those kids back in the building and having those conversations and stuff. Um, As most of you know, I am a high school administrator, and uh, we are certainly privileged today to have a former high school educator um, and and a former educator, uh, high school educator that actually stayed on at a high school for for quite a bit of time um, and did some really amazing things before he retired. Um, but most of you out there will know my guest and his name is Jeff Springer. Um, he hails from the great state of Texas. And, uh, prior to the episode, we were talking about, um, our connections. I have quite a strong family tree down in the Texas area. And so, um, he was laughing. Both of my dogs are named after towns in Texas, Houston and, uh, Dallas, but, uh, Jeff, Currently, he likes to say he is repurposed. Um, He is the founder and executive coach at Spring Strategies, LLC. He is a minister of men at Wildwood UMC, and he is the founder president of Suit Up Ministries. Um, And as I did allude to, he is a past educator, and he was the principal, and I have to make sure I get this right, he was the principal of THE Magnolia High School. Uh, so, without further ado, Mr. Jeff Springer, thank you, my friend.
1: Well, I, I I'm going to have to take you on the road because you did an amazing job <laughs> of introducing me. Uh, so, thank you for all of that. Yeah, um, the Magnolia High School that that was. Uh, I was born in Ohio, even though I've grown was grown, uh, raised in Texas. I still have my Buckeye. Roots. So that's where the, the comes from. You know, everybody refers to the Ohio State University. So um, when we got a second high school in our district, um, the other school didn't really like that, uh, that we were the Magnolia. Um, but one of the reasons I started that was not to offend others, but to uh, build um, pride, you know, just excitement, pride. Yeah. If, you know, if you're a student, at, at the Magnolia High School, um, that was a, that was a big deal, so it was really not about anybody else, it was all about us, so yeah, so 14 years in that one building.
0: That is, man, I can, I can only, well, I mean, and I follow you, I kind of stalk you on Facebook, so I know, um, you know, you have made tons of just crazy awesome relationships, I think you've married several of your students, Um, so I mean, that's just that's just to be commended. So bravo, my friend,
1: you know, that's, that is the, um, you know, it's being an educator is that it's an eternal, uh, you know, calling, I think, I think, you know, educators that are in the Great. business, we, you know, we're, we're called to do this thing and the, the, the priceless, uh, lifelong gifts are the relationships that you have when you're in education and they continue outside uh your your career and uh so yeah i've been blessed to i have a whole wall you i know this is all yeah. but this back wall that's my wedding wall oh, and wow. um that's just a few of them and I've got, I just did, I just did a wedding for where both the bride and the groom were former graduates two weeks ago. And I have one on the 28th, um, the same, same scenario. And then I have one May 7th and that I just completely uh, think that she reminded me and she said, Minister, still I, said oh, yeah. I said, for some reason, I'm glad you let me know because I didn't have you on the calendar. So I don't do a whole, I mean, I don't do them every weekend. I probably average about, you know, eight to 10 a year. And um, of course, a lot of my students na- from Magnolia, especially the last, you know, five or six, seven, eight years, you know, now they've been out for a while. So it's about that time where they're, they're getting married and how, um, how rewarding it is to, um, especially when they met each other for the first time at, at, in high school, and then to hear their stories, how they met, and that they're, that they're still together. And then um, their former principal who gave them their diploma now gets to sign their marriage license. That's really cool.
0: That is really cool. And you get to play a part in their story. Um, and, and I like what you said about um, eternal. And, and I man, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the things that led me into education was that, uh, you know, there are a few professions on earth where I truly feel, uh, God can work through you, like on, in the daily base, you know, not that they can't in every, every other one, but I, but I truly feel, um, I have the opportunity every day to walk the gospel. And I, and I try to do that within the walls of the school.
1: Yeah. I I said this on a recent podcast, so I, I try not to repeat myself, but um, you know, we are in the people business and in that in that in our business and our profession, it's different than all others. in in the fact that our our product is also our customer. Yeah. And, and so, uh, of course, we have a lot of customers. I mean, we have the community and we have our board and we have our teachers and parents, but our students are our product and they're also our customers. And um, so sometimes we're, we're looking for volunteers. We're looking for volunteer le- uh, learn, learners. And so that's exciting to hear you talk about your kids coming back. And it's such a different world because where I'm at, I and one other role that I've just took on this semester is university supervisor for oh, students cool. for Sam Houston State University, which is my alma mater. So I have 10 kids in 10 different districts that I call them kids. They're all twenty-one years old. They're or younger 21. than you. Oh yeah, they're my kids, and I got kids back. You know, I missed my yeah, kids. right. So um, I've actually been on um, ten different campuses. You know, or or actually nine because one of them I did have to observe them uh, the first time online, which was a unique experience. Yeah. But most yeah. of them are have been back, and you know, they're in. They are back, and they've been back. You know, so when I when I talk to administrators and, and teachers from different parts of the country, it's it's a different it's more of a it's like a foreign language to me. It's like it's crazy to me that the kids have not been back since uh, since March 11th, since yeah. almost. a year.
0: Yeah, so. it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So um, since we're already on this vein, kind of a talking about education, talk to me and talk to to all those people out there about. Um, you know, what led you initially into education? Um, you know, as you and I were talking about prior to hitting the record button, my, my, I like to say I wandered quite a bit until um, literally education landed at my feet um, because of some things that happened in life. But I would love to know, you know, what initially led you down that education path?
1: Well, I had, you know, I had a uncle. Oh, I have an uncle still. My dad's brother, who was education, and he was a coach. And, and as you know, in Texas, coaching is a big deal, football yep, and so yep. So when I was in college, I, I honestly, I started off as a social work
0: major. Oh, I could see that.
1: And um, I, I, I think I, the crazy thing was, and it, it turns out to be a, a real blessing, was that I ended up in some upper-level classes before I was supposed to be. And uh, I think I realized that I have the heart for social work, but it be, you know, or they, you know, I had a heart, but I don't know if I had the stomach per se And because social workers, oh my gosh, you know, they're on that front line and they see yeah. some things. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to be, if I want to do social work and I want to make a difference, you know, coaching and teaching has always been, and, and my teachers have always been people I've looked up to. And um, so I started talking to some of my coaches and my uncle and so forth and i just decided to change major and i got into education i knew that as a social worker i wasn't going to make a lot of money so i thought i'm as well if i'm not going to make a lot of money i may as well continue to do a profession where i have the opportunity to change lives yeah. and, and so i got into teaching and coaching and i coached for the first 11 years i was classroom teacher for 12 11 years i coached and then i um, got into administration I, I got my first head coaching job in a small a little 3A town outside of Houston called Hempstead, Texas. And I was the assistant principal slash head football coach. Oh, cool. Yeah, for one year. So I'm, I won't go into detail, but I'll just tell you one year. So you can figure out that that was not, that was, that I probably learned more about people in that one year, uh, but I uh, learned a lot about myself, but that kind of opened the door uh, in changing my career. From coaching and teaching to full administration, I came back to the district that kind of raised me in Cy area, which is a huge district in the northwest Houston, and uh, was an assistant became an assistant principal for four years, and then uh, an associate principal at a high school with about thirty five hundred students at Jersey Village High School uh, for five years, and then was able was blessed uh, to become the principal at the Magnolia High School in two thousand two, and so. I finished my my thirty four year career uh, at Magnolia High School as the high school principal. There we had uh, we had we we had as many as twenty eight hundred students before we opened our second high school in the district, and we dropped down to about eighteen hundred, and then we it went back up to about twenty one hundred when I repurposed. And both schools, the two schools in the district, both had about the same enrollment on opposite ends of the town. So. Um, so anyway, I've been out five years. It took five years in a global pandemic for me to finally uh, be glad that I'm not uh, the principal. Sure. In any but uh, I'm uh, actually I miss I miss people when people ask me, do you miss it, Jeff? And I said, yes, I do. And I tell you what I miss. I miss the people, mm-hmm. you know, the students, of course. I miss the, the teachers and I miss just the campus just being I miss being the principal yeah. but i don't but i do not i do not miss the responsibilities and you know and some days i'll drive past i don't go past the school very often that i don't go that way very often for but when i do there's now an overpass where you can look over and you're almost even with the oh, cool. second floor you drive and i look over to the right and i'll go how did i do that for 14 years
0: yeah right you know
1: and i go thank god i did it was able to do that for 14 years but yeah. uh it's, that's a teenager, you know, 14 years, it's almost, you know, uh, you know, a little person can grow up, almost grow up in that period of time. So, um, but oh, so blessed. So many, so many great memories. And we did some, we did some great things. And I had, I had amazing staff and, um, you know, continue to just, you know, to celebrate and look back on that, those times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, something you said about, you know, initially you, you, what drew you, um, or you're a major with social work. And, um, my wife is a social worker. She just got her, she just took her LCSW. So now she's an LCSW, uh, works in a hospital setting. But before that she was a frisky in the schools. Um, and then let's see her and I did, she, um, worked in a drug, a drug court for juveniles and her and I m- mentored juvenile offenders for a little while. Um, but the part of the job that I love the most is that social work aspect. Um, mm-hmm. that is absolutely the part I love the most, but I, I, I get what you're saying as far as not having the stomach. Um, cause some of the things that my kids, you know, divulge to me and talk to me and but, um, yeah, man,
1: I, I didn't, I wouldn't end up taking, you know, we, we face we face somewhat obviously some of the same things. I mean, a teacher and administrator. You know, we wear lots of hats, and one yeah. of the hats is social work. You know, yeah. we're mom, dad. You know, whatever. You know, you know, teacher, social worker, whatever we have to be in the moment. But you know, and I, I just see some things in social work that, um, you know, sometimes you you feel like maybe you just can't. You bump, you know, you run, you bump up against the wall and you can't really, do, I'd end up taking, probably I'd end up taking most of the kids home with me. I don't know, you know?
0: Oh gosh, so, yes. <laughs>
1: you know, and, and, you know, to truly change some of their lives. And again, we see the same thing in education is um, to really do that, to have, you know, take them from the beginning to the end and take them all the way through. And I remember a conversation walking down the hallway when I was an assistant principal, um, and the teacher said, you know, she had, I, I could tell she had a rough day at the end of the day. And she said, how do we, what, you know, what do we do about these kids' lives? Um, you know, that where they, um, you know, their home life is just not what it's supposed to be. And I said, I said, you know, sometimes we can't, we just can't, unfortunately we can't take them all home with us, but we can show them a different way. Sure. The six hours we have them. You know, sometimes they, sometimes they think what the, the way it is at home is the way it's supposed to be because they don't know any different. So we've got to show them, you know, the compassion and the kindness and, you know, the understanding and empathy and all that, you know, in our words and our deeds and our actions when we have them the short period of time. And because there, there is a window that we actually spend more time or as much time with them, you know, especially in high school when you have them for four years um than some of the parents do yeah
0: yeah and and it's super true right now i agree i completely agree completely agree um so i want to go ahead and move us forward and get us into this two for two segment um yeah I, i know so i totally know this is something you believe wholeheartedly but uh just that whole connections before the content thing and and so before we jump into you know the stated purpose which is the big idea before we jump into that um i feel like i know you but i want to know you a little bit better so i've got some questions and then you've got questions for me Um we'll roll with that and then then we'll jump into the meat okay all right man number one what sound do you love what sound do i love absolutely
1: i absolutely love the sound of the ocean yeah um That is my, that's, that is really my, my happy place. You know, we're not too far from the ocean and we have access to
0: a a beach house.
1: It's in crystal crystal beach, which is, yeah. Just, and so, so uh, more, you know, East, East beach across the ferry, but um, oh my gosh, you know, just, just, it's just so healthy. You just feel so much healthier and just at peace and, and it's soothing and, um, Yeah. So I think that's, you know, they, the commercial says, find your beach. (laughs) You know, I think that's my, I think that's it. That's a great question.
0: My girls just, uh, they put up a countdown because we are going to uh, Orange Beach, um, Alabama, which is right at the tip of Florida, Alabama line. We are going there in let's see, 20, 19 days. So we are, yeah, super stoked for that. Um, Number two, if, okay. So this is a deep one. If you knew okay. the answer, if you knew the answer to any question besides what is the meaning of life, what would it be?
1: Okay. So okay, that's I love that question. Um, I would like to know, and because I posed this question just recently, I don't I don't really understand why. Um. We feel as humans, as a human race, why do we have to feel like we have to conquer? Yeah. One group of people have to conquer another group. Yeah. I mean, since the beginning of time, why can't we be satisfied? Why can't we just be content? Why do what's what is in us that one country or one body of people um, have Feels like they have to conquer the other, so that's that. That would be my question. I would like to know the answer. What What is it? What is it that's inside us? As what? What's What is part of our makeup that drives us to want to conquer others?
0: Yeah, and I, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Only thing, you know, only thing that I that my only like pseudo answer to that is. We didn't feel like that until you know literally the garden and then after that
1: well that's i know (laughs) it's like it's like you know it's when i talked to men and i said you know about being the being the the godly man i said you know we've been hiding in the bushes since adam and eve since we've been passive from the very beginning so it things have just not things don't you know things are still the same two thousand years later Right I mean- and we're doing this we're just repeating the same same things, and um I don't know, I think it probably has to do with the of being you know thinking that we're we are right we're we are the you know that we're right, they're wrong yeah. and um so I don't know i just we'll we'll cogitate on that one. <laughs>
0: So I've, I have uh, asked, I can't remember who I asked this a couple episodes ago, and I'll be honest, if I could answer any, so if I knew the answer to any, it would be, how do we stop generational poverty? Um, I just see, personally, I see poverty as the number one thing that is derailing the education system um, here in the United States, just so many implications, so many side effects that if if we could just stop generational poverty, um...
1: well, I have a I have an idea, and I, I mean I honestly believe if you if, it, if everybody wants to everybody wants to stop poverty, but this, but the, one the, one of the driving forces is fatherlessness. Sure, you know, you know, poverty is a kid that grows up with a single mom is about 20 times greater chance that that, that he's going to he's going to continue the poverty cycle
0: yeah
1: and just being just two parents together doesn't solve the issue but let's face it that's a possibility of two incomes and not just sure. one sure it's a great it's a greater opportunity so if you if you look at the statistics of poverty and perpet that's perpetuated is it you can see the, the absence of a of a father and the nucleus of a family yeah and um uh, so if you want to solve a lot of things, crime, pregnancy, drug abuse, a lot of things, the, the read a, there's a, a book called Fatherless America by Bill Hickenhorn. He's a sociologist and it's called Fatherless America. And he he shows he shows proof that almost every social ill in America goes back to one thing and that's the fatherlessness.
0: Hmm. Okay. I'm going to put it in my uh, Amazon cart today. As soon go. as we're done. As soon as we're okay. done, I'll... It's um, about,
1: it's an old book. It's like 2000, 2001, something like that, but fatherless America. Okay. Bill Blank one. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. My friend, uh, it is your turn. So please ask away.
1: Yeah, my Now my questions may not be quite as deep as your questions. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. That's but knowing, good. But knowing you and seeing some of your posts, which just warms my heart, especially when it has to do with being a dad and, and being uh, a, girl dad that's right so i only had i only had one girl i had one girl and one boy so i could i literally could treat them differently sure because when i tucked my daughter in at night i was they're 15 months apart i would say now remember carly rochelle you are daddy's precious little girl i would tell her that every single night and then when i go to my son's room i would go now logan roy remember you're daddy's precious little boy Now I always wondered what would I do if I had more than one daughter, and and God kind of laughed at me because He gave me two granddaughters. Sure, yeah. So so now I've got, yeah. So so now I'm kind of figuring that out a little bit, and and one grandson. So uh, so tell me, what do you do? How with four, from ages four to seventeen? How do you? make sure that all four of them individually know that, that they are daddy's girl.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you that is, it's tough because, I mean, as you know, our kids need uh, individual time. And so having four means that I have to hollow out, not that I have to, that I want to hollow out four separate times. Um, and to have a teenager is even more tough because she works, um, usually four nights a week. Um, she's a very good student. So, and, and as you know, most teenagers like to spend the majority of their time in their room. Um, so for her, I don't really give her an option much. Um, I usually seek her out and we just have a little conversation, just ask how things are going. Um, I try to make time for her to just, you know, um, go somewhere with me, um, right now, actually, We, um, one of the traditions at her high school for prom is the dads and the daughters waltz or the moms and the son waltz at the prom. So we are in the middle of taking waltz practices. Um, and one thing that I have quickly learned is that I am not a dancer. Um, so last night when we were waltzing, it was just, it was so fun, just giggling and laughing and stepping on each other's feet. Um, you know, as I alluded to previously or prior to the episode, she was my angel. And I tell her that all the time. Like she was the reason that I am who I am. She's the reason I quit doing all of the stuff that I should not have been doing. So it's really going to be special. And I know I'm going to ball like a baby when she graduates. Um, The other three, um, Hazel and Stella, they're my middles. So they're nine and six. Um, Stella, I had the absolute just i was so blessed to be her kindergarten and first grade principal and so for two years she rode to school with me every single morning rode home with me every single morning um one of my things that i really believed in is i went to all of the city council meetings and i went to a lot of the uh political stuff within the city and a lot of the planning commissions and stuff and she was always with me um And so we got to spend two years together doing that. My um, six-year-old, she likes to go to the grocery with me. So she goes to the grocery with me quite a bit. Um, Same thing with my four-year-old. But then also on top of that, my wife and I uh, alternate every night who gets to put the girls to bed. Um, And one of our routines, which has always been a routine, is a book. Um, No matter if they're in trouble or not, we always read a book. And One thing my three youngest have really gotten into now is music videos, Um, and I'm a big Coldplay person. So every night we read a book, every night we listen to a Coldplay video. Um, Selfishly, it's so I hope they get into music the way I did. Um, But then also, I'll tell you the biggest thing that we do together. Every summer, I am a counselor at a church camp um santa claus united methodist church camp in santa claus united in santa claus united sorry santa claus indiana um i have been going to the same church camp since i was in third grade so and pretty religiously about 25 years um my oldest was a tag then she was a counselor now she's a junior counselor next year she'll be a counselor And we're starting kind of the same routine with all of the, the other girls now. So they come to camp with daddy every year. Um, But I mean, those are, you know, it's just things you got to hollow out.
1: Right. Right. Well, being, just being intentional is so. Sure. So important, you know, well, that's, that's awesome. You know, dad, the acronym for dad is daily active devotion. And so that is, uh, that's what we, we preach to our man all the time. I was like you, that, that two years you spent with your daughter, Stella, right? Yep. Um, that's that's going to be really cool. My daughter was a freshman when I became, when I was a freshman principal. So we, we had a year, we were building a house, but our house wasn't built yet. So we had to drive from another community uh, into Magnolia. And so I had her for an, a half hour coming and half hour, you know, heading home. And so, captive for a solid that solid freshman year, and um, I think that I I would sometimes I'll take that same drive, you know, going somewhere, and I just have memories of us having those conversations, or I'll see things on the side of the road that's still there today, you know, and um, that's awesome. Okay, so second question, Ryan: If you weren't an educator, if you were, if you were, if you did, were, if you I know you wouldn't but if you chose to do something else what would it be
0: so this is actually one um like i'll be honest i i tried twice three times to leave the profession um and i applied for our city police um and then i got no twice i um got full custody of of madison and at that time I took it as my sign um, that I needed to stay where I was. Um, and then I applied for the state police force because um, I was wanting to get out of it um, for various reasons. I, I just, I don't know, I was maybe I was in a funk or something and I didn't know what my, my true passion was at that time. This was like the first five years. Um, and I got through the first round of, you know, of testing and interviews and stuff. And then my wife got pregnant. And one of the things with our state police is you never know where they're going to put you. So we live in Western Kentucky and there was a very strong possibility that if I did get it, they would move me to Eastern Kentucky, which is like four or five hours away. Um, and being the wonderful husband that I am, um, when my wife said, don't do this, um, I didn't. Um, but it's really funny. Coincidentally, like, I think it was the next year, maybe the year after that I moved schools to work with, um, in a school that was 97% free and reduced. And I just found my calling like,
1: mm.
0: you know, so, you know, I, I'm a true believer. And I've said this before that God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. um, I don't think it was, I definitely don't think it was happenstance that, that all that happened the way it did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and sometimes I think that is, you almost have to um, visualize what it would be like without, you know, your current situation. And and sometimes it's nice that you don't actually have to leave it to realize that, you know, what you had. And sometimes, you know, sometimes if you go through that process and then you go, okay, is this really, is this really what I'm supposed to do? You know, and then you go, you know, it kind of gives you new lenses on maybe a new appreciation and say, you know what, what I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know,
0: so. Exactly. And I, I I believe 100% that God gives you, uh, God winks every single day. um, And you just got to pay attention. Um, uh, yep. our man, uh, Martin Silverman, I know you, Mar- I, you know, Martin today, he uh, posted a picture, um, of some students in his office that he let play with their typewriter with his typewriter. They were like, you know, what is this thing? And he, <laughs> he left him in his office for, I don't know, a little bit. And then he had to drive them home. But when he came back he saw the note that they had written and it was something to the extent of we love Mr. Silverman because he's so kind and so nice and um don't doubt that that's not a god wink
1: oh my gosh I told Martin w- when we visited you know I've never obviously just like you I've never met you in person or met him in person but I feel like I know him sure you know we've through this through this. You know this global pandemic. Some of us that have gravitated towards each other are based on because of our pa- common passions and so forth. It's just we just draw. We're just drawn. Um, you know, to you know, to your energy, Ryan, and and, and Martin's the same way. And Martin, I told Martin, I said he is like if you looked in the dictionary for elementary principal, it would have his picture. Yeah, sure. You know, he's a, he. You know, he is the consummate. I mean, he is the ideal uh, in my head of what a, a male elementary principal is supposed to be, uh, Ray Porton, you know, Ray, he would be another one. Oh my gosh. It's just like, you know, God has put such amazing men in my life, uh, that I hope to meet one day through this technology and through all these, you know, but, um, you just see and you hear, uh it, what they do on a daily basis and and you just you're just thankful that they are in the schools that they're they they're in
0: well so. I, whenever uh when our boy hal gets this men in ed conference up and running um i can guarantee you that we are going to have a, a blast
1: oh gosh oh my can you i talked speaking of how i spoke to Hal today because uh I, you know, we just, we, you know, he's in, he's in Houston. Yeah, sure. But far, we've known each, he and I have known each other, gosh, maybe almost could be almost 20 years now, but in different aspects, but um, he's spoken at my school, he'd been in, he's been in my school when I was a principal, he knows what my campus was like. And uh, we've been on podcasts together. Prior to men in ed, we've done, you know, if you go to our website, you can see several, uh, podcast when podcasts weren't even a th- really the thing and um but yeah and he we had the conversation with, before he launched man and ed back in march it, it you know he was telling me about what he was going to do and he said what do you think i said you just got i said just let's just do it man that's right oh so, oh my thank god and i know s- several men have alluded to that if that was the only if that i you know i'm a part of some other things but if that was the only medium that i could if i could, that, that I, ha- if I had to make a choice uh i, I that my voxer group my button-up boys um of you know andrew streeter and and mark horner and prickett and porton um that minute has been uh you know you know really literally without being dramatic a lifesaver yeah you know
0: i i would definitely yes definitely oh. say that so, uh, so how when you hear this, um, we need Men and Ed um, Conference twenty twenty one, maybe twenty twenty two, sponsored yeah. by Waterburger. So we will be ready <laughs> and willing to take that leap. Um, so without further ado, uh, Jeff, let's get into the stated purpose, which is uh, to connect the vision of one with the passion of another. Um, I've said this before, but uh, Simon Sinek, he makes the uh, statement that uh, not everybody's gotta have a vision. Um, it, you know, Not everybody has to dream big. Sometimes it's, it's somebody's vision that one person will connect their passions with, and that's kind of how you get change happening. So um, before we start with your idea, give us a little background on what you see as a problem you know, that your idea hopes to alleviate?
1: Well, you know, my dissertation was in those of the, you that know me know that I love hashtags and I love acronyms so, and you put the two together and I'm in heaven. So, um, but my, my research when I was working on my doctorate was, you know, had a lot to do with, with secondary because I'm a secondary person and, uh, creating positive, a positive culture. Yeah, um, and so the important, some of the question was the, the importance of, of play in secondary schools. And now a lot of secondary schools uh, administrators will cringe when they hear that, um, but play not in necessarily playfulness, but play as in collaboration, investigation, innovation, discovery, you know... Um, So, you know, creativity, you know, connecting, you know, we call it organizational play, you know, engagement, you know, I have, um, so, so, so my question um, was the, you know, what was the perception of play and plays role in creating a positive school Culture of, and a perception of play of secondary school principals yeah. and administrators. Yeah. So I see that there's such a gap. There is, you know, when you do research, you 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 try to f- discover uh, a gap, and there's, you know, from the time kids literally step stand out of the step out of the play uh, sandbox in the playground. To high school graduation and even higher ed there's you know there's less and less creativity iq is so diminished we, we these kids come out so full of information but they don't even know they don't know what
0: to do with it yeah right yeah
1: yeah um, oh, yes so then so the intentionality of of play uh in secondary schools both in leadership and in culture is um you know, is, is, is rare. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the problem.
0: Okay. So if, uh, and I would agree and I would agree because, you know, I spent 12 years at the elementary level. Um, And then when I came into the secondary level, um, I just, I mean, honestly, I only knew, I only knew how to be me and I'm a bubbly, guy I dress up for my kids um I pass out licorice every day to my students they know um I'm a very elementary minded guy um but I would agree like that's not it's not the norm at the yeah. secondary level um so talk to us okay so if that is the issue that there's not enough play at the secondary levels um for whatever reason um partly I partly for me I feel like we we push him into adulthood way too soon. They're still kids, let's treat them like kids. But yeah. what do we do to engage that playfulness in the secondary yeah. schools?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I was doing my research, my, my hypothesis w- was that the kids were, uh, my conclusion that I forecasted was um, that things like high stakes testing And um, the high pressure of credit and graduation and all those things would were things that would push out uh, the elements of play.
0: And what year Uh, was this? Do you remember what year it was when you did that?
1: When I did the dissertation. Yeah. Oh, I just I just became a doctorate a year ago. Okay. Okay. So so yeah, so I was literally I was I started my my doctorate program my last semester as a high school. That's right. That's right. I didn't, I started at the young age of 57, got my doctorate right before I turned 61. So, um, so on March 11th, the day that everybody, everything shut down in America, I was doing my dissertation that afternoon. So I will never, I just had my anniversary last week. So Congratulations. so, um, so I'll never forget that day for a lot of reasons, but but what i found was when i and what i did is i interviewed 12 principals and assistant principals at at junior high and high school level and um at and i interviewed them three times it's called a three part process so 36 different interviews and three with each one at different different times spread out and to really get the context and what i found out overall was it wasn't those constraints that were uh, necessarily uh, external, it was more internal. It was their own leadership. They admitted that really it was their own leadership styles a lot of times that got in the way of a play. In other words, for them, uh, and I say this is sometimes a challenge, they would say that for them, in most cases, a play is work yeah and uh, whereas i would say my work is play sure and so if you have to work at play if you have to work of being you know and it sometimes it's a sometimes it's just a natural tendency you know i i didn't have to work at play it just became just like you you bring that you bring that elementary nurturing uh you know uh, compassion you know loving you know blue if you're familiar with colors uh to to your, to your uh, high school. a matter of fact, I loved hiring elementary and junior high uh, teachers to, in the high school campus because they would bring, a lot of times they would bring that with it. You know, it's more conducive in elementary, but it also is lacking in elementary too. And there's, there's where the problem starts. You know, high stakes testing starts in third grade in Texas. So, you know, we're, you know, we're, uh, the days it's, it, you know, it's crazy. Sometimes I think some of the things that we, um, you know, are, are trying to ram down these kids, you know, you know, in, into their, th- down their throat, you know, when uh, we're sometimes kids can't, you know, cannot, you know, they don't have time to just be kids yeah. and uh, exploration and, and, and so forth. But, but um, also it has to do with the culture, just, the way we interact with each other, the way we um, have freedom, to, you know, to not worry about whether we're gonna fail you know, if we try something new, you know, risk, risk-taking, you know, autonomy, you know, goal focus, and, the you know, having a voice on your campus. And, um, and you know, from the students all the way down to, uh, this, you know, I mean, from the teachers all the way down the students. And so, so it becomes evident that when you walk into the building, you know, you know that there's something different about, you know, about that school, about that campus. And, um, and so we, we talk about in, in, in my consulting, we, we use the word play as an acronym. And so if, so if I was going to sit down with a coach and, and with someone and, and coach them and do some one-on-one executive coaching, you know, the first thing I would have them do is talk about who are their people, and that's P, the P in play, is who are your people? And, uh, you know, who are the people that you depend on? You know, who's, who are also maybe your inner circle people? You know, who are the people that care about your journey? Um, you, know, who, you know, who are the people that um, balance you? Right. Yeah. You know, who have this, who have expertise in the areas you are deficient, who are the people um, that uh, are your 3am uh, list that you could call if you, you know, you, you needed them in the middle of the night, you know, that kind of thing. So we talk a lot about that, identifying those people, then also looking about looking at those people uh, that, you know, that need to be your people who need yeah. to be on your team that aren't there yet, you know, and, you know, who, who, what's the next level? And, um, and then the next step that kind of, and they kind of all build on each other, but they can also be independent as well. And that L stands for love. You know, how do you, how do you, uh, it's amazing how many corporate books now, business books use the word love, where 20 years ago, love would be, you know, something that they they would probably drop Real you hokey. out. Yeah, hokey. And, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, but loving, how how do you love your people? How do they know that you care about them? You know, how do you engage with them? How do you treat them? How do they know you, you know, again, that you, you know, how do you, uh, how do you uh, show that on a daily basis that, uh, you, you, you care about their journey as well. And it's reciprocal. Um, and then the third one is acknowledge and, and, um, you know, not just, and it's, this one's huge. This is the one that a lot of times people would gloss over, but um, it's endless, you know, not just acknowledge, it's easy to acknowledge your successes. It's easy to recognize, you know, an accomplishment, but what about the journey or or the path or the process, or what about the failings in the, you fall short. You know, if you don't acknowledge where you fall short, and how can you make a plan to correct it? And a lot of times, as men, we just gloss right over it. We just forge forward, you know, and we don't acknowledge the pain and the sorrow and the hurt. And one day it comes out, and it sometimes comes out on the ones we love <laughs> the most, you know, or the ones we lead. And um, so I think that's really important, real important. And then the last one, is uh, I say this I say this every time I cannot say this word without smiling, and it's the word is yearn. What do you yearn for? What is your passion? And, you know, are you a lifelong learner? Or you know? Are you know? Do you yearn to grow. You you know you yearn to lead. You know, you have this passion. What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning when the opportunity clock goes off and your feet feet hit the ground, you know? So if you know, who are your people, how do you love, what do you need to acknowledge and what do you yearn for? If you do those things, essentially, not only does it spell play, you, you are playing. And, um, and so, um, so we would use, we, we use a really real simple 20 question survey and, uh, with questions that are, you know, five or five questions per category that are kind of mixed up and, and kind of lead you to, to which area is where you maybe are uh, deficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then that's where we start, you know, in our conversation.
0: Yeah. Because, um, you know, one thing I was talking about, or one thing I was thinking of rather, as you're saying, this is, is for people like you and me play comes really naturally. Um, and we don't really understand, at least I don't, I don't really understand, um, some of those people in education where, you know, it, it doesn't come naturally that, that have to intentionally work on this. And so like prior to this episode, you know, I'm thinking, and I was thinking, how do I bring people to that same level? Not, maybe not my same level as me, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, that, that yearn to get into your school every day and, you know want to form those connections with your kids and you know feel it as a passion and you know because you and I both know if you truly love it and you're truly enjoying it um those tough moments that we all are going to have in within the building are 10 times easier than if you don't
1: yeah and even the even the greatest challenges become uh some a type of play because it creates anticipation you know you know and you know i mean think about a great teacher the very best teachers you know the learning cycle the teaching cycle what is the anticipatory set so what do you do every day what do you do every day as a classroom teacher to create anticipation the kids will not miss your class if they have seven teachers during the day they are not going to be late to your class And they're going to line up outside your door to get in your class because they don't know what the heck Mr. Scott's going to do today, you know. And so you create that level of anticipation. And then there's this surprise level that turns in, you know, and it's like this, you know, that's when the light bulb comes on or or they want to do it again, you know. And so you as a leader, you can also do that as a principal. You can find ways to be intentional about doing working that into all the you know when we talked when I interviewed the, the principals we talked about how do we uh, how do we intertwine the aspects of or the elements of play into your your faculty meetings yeah. into your into your team meetings into your you know department chair meetings into your uh, your professional development you know into your strategy plan, into your campus improvement plan. I mean, there's a way, there is a way, you know, not everything is gonna be a party. That's not necessarily play. Play, Right, right. One of the um, strategic play is, um, you know, the example is, you know, an architect rarely uh, designs a building by himself. His, uh, you know, he or she uh, creates or builds the prototype and then they then you bring it in a room and you lay it on a conference table and everybody pokes holes in it you know they say, well or suggest well what if we did this or what if we did that or you know in and, and so before he when he walks out of the room he's got a whole new uh collaborative team concept and then he comes back with another pass at it and you know and so that that's play you know that's You know that's discovery. That's again. That's uh, you know engagement. And so we talk about play. Engagement is the engagement is what we want. That's the ultimate goal with spring strategies is engagement, and the vehicle is play. That's how we get there. So you know through rec. You know we talk about you know recognition. We talk about you know uh, again uh, this level of of connecting. You know, and uh, you know, communicating and looking in re- uh you know, when you do that, the recognition, it's giving people an opportunity to utilize their their talents and their ideas. And then when people feel like they they have that voice to do that, then they're gonna contribute. And when you're contributing, the you know, it just brings that whole level up because now I'm empowered and I have a voice. And I contributed, you know, I used to stand in front of our, uh, high school seniors, uh, actually every, every week I spent 30 minutes with one whole class, either freshman, sophomore, junior, senior for 30 minutes. We had a built-in schedule that was, we had a PLC schedule where the teachers would go to PLC. And I said, you give me the kids. So I would take the kids in the auditorium and, or, or a class, you know, like, so we would have five or 600 kids in there or more. And, um, we would check their pulse and so forth. But one of the things I always said to them was, if you don't like school, do something about it. You know, don't just gripe about it. Contri- what, my question to them was would be, what are you contributing to change the school that you say you don't like? Is there is there a club or organization that we don't have that you'd like to start? Or is there a process that you'd like to take it? you know, have us take a look at, but contribute. And I do the same thing with teachers, but you know, in order to do that, you have to have a foundation of some type of relationship. And that's Um, play. Yeah. And that's play.
0: Yeah. Couldn't have said it better, man. That's great. Um, Yeah, man. As I reflect on, on those words, um, it makes me remind, it reminds me of something when I was in the elementary classroom and and my kids knew that, um, and they would, they would finish this. I'd say, you're not having learned, or you're not learning unless you're, and they'd say, having fun. Um, and they knew that in Mr. Scott's, we were always going to have fun. Now, they also knew tough love was a part of that accountability yeah. piece. Um, yeah. But um, I, I love what you've brought us tonight. I love uh, that you say play is absolutely vital at secondary schools. Um, I love the acronym because it's really easy to remember. Um, so just to, to summarize for everybody out there, that's people, love, acknowledge, and yearn. Um, and, and so to, to close us, kind of to, to take us to a closing point tonight, uh, Jeff has given us a lot of information and he's given us um, some pretty good steps to bring play back into our school. Um, so if you are somebody out there that wants to know a little bit more about Jeff and about his um, ideas on play, or maybe you want to talk to him about his um, his um, ministry, um, about uh, Suit Up Ministries, if you want to talk about him that, because, you know, he is a guru as far as um, dads and the world needing more dads. So if you just want to reach out and talk to Jeff, um, Jeff, let our listeners know kind of what they can do to get a hold of you.
1: Yes. That's, that's great, Ryan. I appreciate that opportunity. You know, I have uh, my email for uh, is Jeff at cultivating play.org and uh, Jeff at cultivating play.org. That's probably the easiest uh, Twitter account is, is cultivating play at, at cultivating play. Okay. Uh, my Instagram is cultivating play. I have a Facebook, it's spring strategies, LLC. And um so those would all be either, you know, and if you want to talk to me about suit up ministries, you can use that same email. I do have another email, but I'm not, I don't, you know, it's Jeff at suit up ministries.org, but either, either one of those directly connect with me. And I, I'd love to, to visit with you. Uh, website is uh, again, uh, cultivating org.
0: And I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Um, number one, uh, Jeff, thank you for being so stinking flexible. Um, to my listeners, um, I initially had him scheduled last week, and um, my absent-mindedness, I went off and left my laptop at school. Um, and then last night, we were supposed to do it, but um, my oldest daughter failed to tell me that our waltz practice started. Um, but being the awesome dad and the understanding dad, Jeff literally said, go be a dad. Um, so Jeff, I really appreciate that. I really, uh, really, really appreciate that. Um Jeff, is there anything else you want to say before we close this out?
1: I would, you know, Ryan, I would just thank you for this opportunity. I would, I would thank, um, you know, our listeners who I would imagine are primarily educators uh, themselves and that uh, to remind them that what they do every day is, um, you know, is eternal. And what you do every day is impactful. Um, you, you, you plant seeds, um, you, you're, um, you know, you're a lifesaver and, and in many ways without being over dramatic, you save lives. So don't never underestimate the job that you have in front of you, the responsibility you have in front of you and, and go make a difference. That's
0: exactly right. So, uh, to my listeners, I'm going to leave you with, um, yet another quote on dreaming dreams are illustrations, From the book, your soul is writing about you. And uh, to close us, uh, one more quote from my good friend, Jeff Springer. It's a great day to be alive. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.